Alright, welcome back to another episode at Economics Design. As you can imagine, we're going to dive a little bit more into stablecoins this next few months. We talked about Faye the last time, and today I want to talk about the other types of stablecoins out there. There are a lot of innovative ideas, and there are a lot of very interesting mechanisms to create these stablecoins. And I think stablecoins are going to be very important. I think a lot of investors are not so keen on stablecoins because you don't earn as much, but I think they form a very important foundation to growing the ecosystem and to allow more people to come into the DeFi ecosystem. So I think stablecoin is very interesting, and I definitely want to talk a little bit more about stablecoins. So today we're going to talk about Alchemix, the economics of Alchemix, and how it is a no-loss stablecoin. Again, disclaimer, this is not investment advice, this is purely educational, and opinions are my own and not representative of the company. What are we going to cover today? We are going to cover what is Alchemix Finance? How is the stablecoin created? How do you maintain stability? How is this stablecoin different? As well as some thoughts and opinions. The idea got started probably back in 2018. At the time, there wasn't really any DeFi, uh, but one of my friends who I'd met in a uh, crypto discord, he had played around with um, some different dApp ideas and he had made some really small ones. And uh, one of those was uh, this kind of project where it was actually kind of similar to Alchemix, but it didn't, ha- didn't have DeFi, so it didn't have a, a stable source of income. So eventually it kind of ran out of steam and it, it couldn't continue anymore. But the, uh, the creator of that app, who's a CTO of Alchemix, he kept on thinking about it and thinking about it. Um, and then um, in June 2020, he approached me because he knows that I'm a, a front-end developer. And he said, okay, I think I got it. I got this new app. It's going to be really cool. And I, I need you to build a front end for me. And I've been looking to to work on a crypto project at this point. I've been doing mostly Web2 stuff. And so I, I jumped in and I started working on it. Um, back then, we were called CheeseFi. Um, and the idea for CheeseFi is kind of similar to Alchemix, but not as good. Um, the idea is that you would lock up your die for between 10 and 100 days and then immediately get uh, cheese tokens in return for that. And then those uh, the die would then go into uh, yield aggregators. Like at the time, we were going to use Idle because that was the only one that existed. Um, and uh, then take the yield from the die deposits and then buy back the cheese tokens from the market to create this kind of pseudo yield token that you could get up front. Um, but then we, we did some more research and we dug into uh, the mechanics of all this and we learned about the minor extractable value problem, um, specifically sandwich attacks. And uh, sandwich attacks could be devastating to the, the cheese five model. Alchemix. What is Alchemix? Alchemix is a stablecoin that uses DAI as collaterals to create this stablecoin. So it's another stablecoin protocol. And I think the very interesting thing that is in this protocol that I want to talk about is how it includes real inflation. It includes real growth in the ecosystem, which is why it's quite different. And it talks about capital efficiency as well. I've been saying quite a few times now that when you first enter the system, when the entire DeFi ecosystem is growing, you don't think so much about capital efficiency. You're thinking about over collateralization. You're thinking about risk management. You're thinking about yield. Today, things are a bit different. We have grown so much further and we can think a little bit more about how to efficiently use our capital to get more returns than just over collateralization. So this talks a little bit about it. There is some over collateralization in the Alchemix protocol, but it also uses the your collateral ratio or your collaterals to help you to earn some form of yield. So 
in that way, it kind of offsets it quite a bit. So we're going to talk about that later as well. And how I see Alchemix is really an evolution to what DSD and ESD is doing. So DSD and ESD, if you remember, is the empty set dollar and dynamic set dollar. I think the mechanism was very interesting, where it uses the kind of government bond-like strategies to create and rebalance to get the stability of the $1. Now, the problem with ESD and DSD, although super innovative ideas, is that it was just level one to innovation. You know, they had a great kind of concept, but the execution was not as robust, was not as good. So I see Alchemix as a way to make it better, as a way to evolve to level two of what crypto bonds could be in terms of a stable coin. So I thought that was very interesting and I wanted to share that with you. So let's go to part two, stable coin creation. So why is it the fact that it's 200% over collateralized? How does that help with making sure that it's a no loose stable coin mechanism? So if we had a lower collateralization ratio, um, it, loan repayments would take a lot longer. Mm. Right now, uh, with our current yield, it's it's around two years to, to get repaid. But if we had like, you know, a uh, lower collateralization ratio, that might take five years, it might take seven years, it might take 10 years or something like that, especially if yields start dropping in DeFi. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that would be, you know, that's like a lifetime, especially in yep. DeFi and yes. crypto and stuff like that. And so I, I think having such a long repayment time is a little bit unrealistic. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot could happen in, in that in that meantime. And the other thing is, is that what people can do is they can, like, let's say you borrow AlUSD, then you sell your AlUSD for DAI, then you put it into Alchemix, then you borrow more AlUSD, and you can do this loop. Right now, because of our collateralization ratio, it means that you can basically lever your vault up mm -hmm. to 2x. If we had a lower collateralization ratio, this, this uh, kind of recursive strategy could be exploited even more. Mm -hmm. And we don't think that would have a good effect on the system overall. Mm. And it might uh, destabilize the peg because people would over leverage their vaults and stuff like that. So in order to, you know, for health of the system and for reasonable debt repayment times, we set the collateralization ratio to 200%. How is stablecoin created? Firstly, you use DAI to create USD. And now you're thinking, okay, DAI is basically one USD. I'm giving USD to create USD. Why don't I just use DAI in the first place, right? Yeah, that's true. It works in a very interesting way. So the high level way is, let's say I have 100 DAI, so $100. I give it to the Alchemix protocol. And when I give 100 DAI there, I get to borrow 50% in LUSD, so the Alchemix USD. So in the system, one LUSD is always equals to one DAI. And in this system, I am 200% over collateralized, right? Because I can only borrow 50% out. So I'm 200% over collateralized, which is a lot more than Maker because in Maker is 160%, here is 200%. So I get to borrow 50% in LUSD. And what is the protocol going to do? The protocol takes my 100 DAI and it uses that 100 DAI to generate yield. So it takes the 100 DAI, goes to stuff like Yearn Protocol. Actually, they work with Yearn Protocol, deposits the DAI in Yearn to get why die? And it allows it to generate different kind of interest and generate profit and yield from there. So right now, Yearn is charging about 13% APR on the yields generated based on whatever strategies that Yearn Finance is doing. So when you put 100 die in, in general, you can take 50 LUSD, which is equal, equivalent to 50 die out, spend it wherever you want. At the same time, during that one year, it generates about 13 die out of your 100 die that you put in. So that's the general idea. And what it does is that it helps you to pay off that debt or that amount borrowed. 
So we have 100 DAI, we took out 50 DAI. We took out 50 DAI in LUSD, right? So you have 50 remaining that you need to pay off. So this entire system, this entire mechanism helps you to pay that 50 DAI off through this yield generation. So this is where the whole capital efficiency comes in because your capital is being used to generate yields somewhere else. So how does it maintain stability? Because it's a stable coin after all. Price slippage happens because there isn't enough liquidity or rather because it isn't one market maker doing all the trades. It's always trading with a liquidity pool. So it's a pool of everyone's money in there. That's why any significant movement can cause quite a bit of price shock or price volatility to any trade. That's why you want to reduce such risks. Yeah, if you use um, some different DEX charting tools, like DEX tools is uh, one that I really like. Mm -hmm. And you go to like a pair and you can watch the trading feed. And a lot of times you'll see like a little like red hat, like hacker icon and uh, next to a trade. And that'll, that'll signify that that was a sandwich attack. Mm -hmm. So you can like see it and be like, oh, wow, that person just made, you know, $500 doing this attack and without risking any capital whatsoever. So, you know, it's cool and it makes me want to run one of these bots, but at the same time, it, it, it kind of killed the idea for CheeseFi. So we went back to the drawing board. Um, and at this time, our team had expanded. It wasn't just me and the CTO anymore. We added um, a couple other smart contract developers and another front end developer. We had an analyst. So the team was like at six people at this point. And um, we, we kept on iterating until finally we got to the, uh, the alchemic system. Um, and uh, that kind of avoided the whole AMM problem altogether and allowed us to not only uh, you know, deliver future yield to you now up front, but also um, we could do it in the form of a fungible stable token. Here, the big picture, the general idea is that there are two big pools. The first one is the collateral pool. So you have your die, and you take your die, put it into the, the collateral pool to get LUSD out. So that's the main mechanism, right? Put die in, get LUSD out. Then you have another pool where you put LUSD in and you can get die out. So these are two main pools. The first pool is like the collateral pool. You put die in, get LUSD out, spend it anywhere you want. The other one is a transmuter pool where you put LUSD in and you get die out. So that's the general idea. And now, how does that work? How does that help with the whole stabilization method, right? Good question. So remember I told you, one of the key important thing in this entire game is that one die equals one LUSD. One LUSD equals one die. So if you're in that situation, sometimes prices change, right? It's not always one for one. So let's say one LUSD is now worth more than one die. Let's say one LUSD is now worth $1.50. That's a 50% increase. That's a lot of money, right? So how can you benefit from that? So people will put die into the collateral pool, into the first pool, you put die in there and you get LUSD out. And so because you put 100 die, you will always get 50 LUSD out because it's 50% collateral. And now because one LUSD is worth $1.50, then more people want to do that. And more people will turn their die into LUSD and increase the supply of LUSD and reduce the prices back to $1. So that's the general idea. So when LUSD is more than $1, more people put die in to get LUSD out, trade it in a secondary market or trade it anywhere you want because LUSD will always be equivalent to one die. So that's when LUSD is more than $1. When LUSD is less than $1, that's where you go to the transmuter pool. And what you do is you take your LUSD, you put it in the transmuter pool. And when the transmuter pool gets any returns, harvests any yield in DAI, you can always trade one LUSD for DAI. So let's say now your LUSD is worth $0.80 cents instead of 
And you don't want to spend it because it's not worth that much. Nobody's going to accept it. So you take your LUSD, that's 80 cents worth, you put it in the transmitter pool. And once the transmitter pool generates yield and generates more dye, then you get to give them 80 cents worth of LUSD. You get one dye out, which is worth $1. Because it's always one for one in the system. So that's how it helps with stability. When LUSD is more than $1 and when LUSD is less than $1. So where is the fee coming from? The fee is coming from urine. So you're actually, your debt is getting repaid automatically through urine. Every single time we harvest, your debt goes down and there's no interest on LUSD. So that means I put 100 dye in, I take 50 LUSD out. And that mm -hmm. means whenever this, when urine makes any profits, any yield, the yield comes in to pay off that 50 dye that I've borrowed. The 50 LUSD, yes. Every single time that we harvest yield, then that will go to paying off your loan. Right now, it takes around okay. two years for a max loan to be completely paid off. Yep. But yep, that's how it works. So for anyone who wants to gain from being part of Alchemix, you either put die in to borrow LUSD out and allow the system to generate enough yield to be paying off the debt that you have. So you effectively get 50% of the amount you put in that we repaid in two years. Or the other way is when the transmitter is there and people put LUSD in to take dye out. Yeah, so if, if you're using the transmitter, the only reason to use it is if yes. LUSD is off the peg. If there's no, if it's not off the peg, just, just trade it on curve. It, it'll be mm. faster, it'll be in, instantaneous. And the other thing is, is that the transmitter actually has a beneficial effect to the uh, the dye depositors in general mm. because the all the balance of the transmitter is also farming yield. So mm. we have like 240 million dye in the transmitter and that's all farming yield. And then we have like an additional around um, $160 million or dye in deposits in the vault. So in effect, we have 400 million dye mm -hmm. as principal, but that's only for 160 million dye in deposits. Because of that, even though we're using urine and urine's rates are around 13%, we can offer around 30% because of that extra principle that's being passed on and uh, the yield from that being passed on to our depositors and helping to repay their debts faster. So for all the, all the yield that's coming from the vault, is it all to the vault or part of it also goes to the transmuter? So the transmuter effectively gets two types of income stream or yield stream, one from the vault or one from excess from the vault and one from the transmitter itself. Yeah, the way it actually works is that we um, the transmitter has a vault adapter, and so does the um, the alchemist vault has a um, a vault adapter as well. The way we do it is we harvest the yield from the transmuter, and then that those YV die tokens, so the the die vault tokens, then get sent over to the the vault uh, adapter for the alchemist contract, uh -huh. and then that one gets harvested. And when that gets harvested. 90% of the yield is used for buy, uh, for debt repayments and being sent to the transmitter. So those are one and the same. So if we have $100,000 with a debt repayment, then $100,000 goes to the transmitter. And then 10% of that harvested yield goes to the Dow Treasury. We've been averaging somewhere between um, around 150 to 200,000 die per harvest, which is a daily thing. So our Dow Treasury is growing around 15 to $20,000 a day at this rate. And, and debt repayments around 130 to $180,000 a day. That's very good money. Oh, that's very good <laughs> yields coming in. <laughs> yes, it's very good yield coming in. So again, 90% of the harvest goes from, for all the harvest coming in, 90% of it goes to the Alchemix vault as well as the transmuter vault is there a split between is there a percentage split between those two 
No, no. So imagine like you're in the um, alchemist vault. You have a hundred thousand die in there. You borrowed fifty thousand LUSD, and a big harvest comes through. And uh, let's say five hundred of your LUSD uh, debt gets paid off in that harvest. Right? Yeah. How do you determine that? So, how do you determine? So what happens is like that 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 amount of die is mm-hmm. is like from the um, harvest is kind of spread proportionally amongst everybody by the amount they have deposited into the alchemist contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that that debt there is then deducted from your LUSD debt is deducted from the, the ledger on the app. Mm-hmm. And then that die, all of that die is sent to the transmuter, which then becomes available for transmutation and also boosts the, uh, the yields in the system. So it pays off debt first before it goes to transmuter. It's kind of one in the same. The, the alchemist takes care of the bookkeeping as far as debts and credits and everything like that yep. goes. But since LUSD is our own coin, we're not borrowing it from anyone else. We created it. We can mint it. We can burn it. Mm-hmm. Or at least the system can. Whenever we like, whenever we do a harvest, we just delete that debt from your own personal ledger. Or at least we reduce mm-hmm. it. Okay. That LUSD isn't getting burned or anything. But if someone then wants to transmute the LUSD that they have oh. in the uh-huh. transmuter, then that burns the LUSD and they can then receive that equal amount of dye that they burned in LUSD. Got it. So the first vault, the Alchemix vault, is more of like a paper accounting, whereas the transmuter yeah. is where the actual, more of the physically digital or digital asset would be. So the it- Alchemist is where you turn dye into LUSD and the transmuter yep. is where you turn LUSD into dye. Yes, got it. I know it's it's very complicated. It's very confusing. It's it's something that's a little bit out there. Like, but uh, the the bookkeeping does work. But I mm. I can reassure you on that. Awesome. So actually talking to you helped me explain it further on because like kind of like distinguishing the the Alchemix Vault as like that's where you create LUSD mm-hmm. and then or you know die to LUSD and then transmitters LUSD die just summing it up. That simply is actually going to be very helpful for me going forward. <laughs> yeah, because I was trying to ex- understand how it works as well. Because initially I thought that the first the first Alchemix vault is where you change die to LUSD and then you have to pay some interest on it, just like um, ETH to die. Mm-hmm. And then any yield comes in will be repaying that interest. So you can always change it back to your die immediately by closing your vault. And then the mm-hmm. other transmuter is like an additional rewards pool where additional rewards just goes in. But what you're talking about, it's a very different thing from what I understood. So thanks for clearing that up. Clearing that up. So one of the rewards in providing liquidity and using the system is the ALCX token. What can anyone, yes. what can people do with that token? So ALCX right now um, is the governance token for our platform. We, we've had a few votes so far on a Snapshot. And we have a, a developer and community multi-sig wallet. That's a five of seven multi-sig, and we have four devs and three community members on that wallet. So we always need, you know, at least one community member to go along with the devs to to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a 24-hour time lock on that. So there's some different security layers to make sure that nobody from the team or the the community wallet or the the multi-sig can do anything malicious, and it'll be easily spotable uh, if we do try to do something like that. Um, not that we would, you know, I, I value DeFi and Ethereum and being in this space, it, it means the world to me. I love it. And I would never endanger, you know, that because I'm being selfish or, you know, or a crook or something like that. So yep. we're not going to rug you guys, but that won't be an issue anyway, going forward. Um, when we are, we're working on our version two and with it, we're um, going to be releasing Alchemix DAO. Mm-hmm. 
and um, that will get rid of the whole sna snapshot with a multi-sig wallet and turn it into a you know an actual DAO that executes code, and we won't have that kind of power anymore. We're going to be trying to decentralize in that respect. Fantastic. So, that's a good. That's a good shift. I think everyone starts a bit more in the centralized way, just to get this <laughs> infrastructure in place and try to get the foundation right. Then it slowly <laughs> decentralizes to allow the community to manage. That's like yeah, the perfect we, usual transaction. If we're making any big changes, we want to get the consent of the community and the token yep. holders before we do it. Um, and but for like minor decisions and things that we just need to do and get done, like uh, you know, I, I honestly, in my experience in DeFi, I've been in DeFi a long time. I noticed that like voter fatigue kicks in, yep. like an apathy kicks in really, really, really quickly, mm -hmm. and more so in projects that have votes that come up like every few days or every week. I, I start tuning out. I'm like I, I go to my Discord and see like ten notifications from this project. What <laughs> what is going on here? And like it becomes overwhelming. I can't keep up with it. So like at that same rate, like we've been trying to be governance limited. Like if there's something big, you know, or something urgent, we'll, we'll consult the community. But we're not going to bug you guys over little things like every day, at least until the DAO is out. That and then that'll be the community deciding everything at that point. Fantastic. Is there anything yeah. else you want to add? So the ALCX token? Yeah. So right now that's being uh, heavily incentivized. So you can farm um, the ALUSD3 curve uh, liquidity tokens. You can farm ALCX with that. You can farm it with uh, the pool two, you know, which is ALCX and ETH. That's on SushiSwap. You can also do single side staking with ALCX, um, which will be turned into the DAO. So the DAO mm -hmm. will combine getting ALCX rewards for depositing, but you'll also get revenue from the system mm -hmm. as well. So you'll get, a, you know, multiple income streams. Which uh, is a 10% of yield coming in goes to the DAO, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you'll get ALCX rewards and more on top of it in the DAO. So that should make it a more attractive hold uh, going forward and turn into a cash flow token in addition to being a governance token. Um, it's also being integrated across DeFi. You can use it as a collateral um, asset on ruler protocol, margin swap, uh, Rary Capital's fuse pools, uh, unit protocol. Um, so you can borrow you know, assets using ALCX across all those different things. So it has a little bit of a capital asset is being accrued to ALCX as well. Fantastic. So. That's super exciting. So what's the difference between this and other kind of protocols? This system was kind of like a bond system, like a currency bond system. If you think about how what you're doing, you're actually giving your tokens, your DAI, you get to borrow some part out of it, and you get to use it right now. And who is going to repay the amount of money borrowed? It's through the yields generated in the future. So what you're really bringing is you're bringing forward the future revenues earned, the future profits generated, and you get to use it today. Again, you've got 100 DAI, you put 100 DAI in the system, of which you can borrow 50 LUSD out, you can use it today. So you effectively have 150 DAI worth of tokens. Then that 100 DAI that's in the collateral will help you to earn different yield and help you to repay that 50 DAI out, that 50 LUSD you have borrowed. So in that case, that's how you get to tap into the future profits generated. And one of the big difference is that there is real value inflation in the system. Remember one of the things that I keep talking about in all the other protocols is that when we talk about inflation in the DeFi space, we're talking about inflation in terms of real value inflation and not just monetary inflation. It's not just inflating your tokens. It's not just inflating the number of tokens you have. Sure, you can keep doing that, but what is supporting the price of your token? 
you know, you need to have supply and demand, basic economics. With the supply side, it's quite easy. With the supply side, you just keep increasing the number of tokens out there. But if, if you don't have the demand side of it, there is no, what is substantiating that value of the new tokens being added into the system? There is none. But here, they do that. They do that because with Alchemix, when your collaterals are being added into the system, it's actually working for you. It works for you in Yearn to get different kind of returns. Then it gets added into the system and you can trade your LUSD out and get die. So in that situation, you're adding real value into the system, real economic value into the system, instead of just increasing and inflating the supply of tokens. So I thought that was a very interesting thing that, you know, I've been talking about it for so many videos now, and an example of a protocol doing that would be quite interesting. The other thing that's interesting is that it's backed by correlated assets. So there are a lot of other stablecoin systems out there, like Maker, like Frax, like Faye, you know, you're creating a lot of tokens, you're creating stable tokens, but it's backed by an uncorrelated asset, like ETH or RedBTC or Yearn, like YFI token, whatever kind of tokens. With this system, with Alchemix, it's backed with 100% correlated assets, which is DAI and LUSD, which is worth the same thing. So that is a kind of a different system. People, you know, they always know that I'm guaranteed that I can get one DAI for my LUSD one-to-one. -one. Now, in a situation where, let's say, the peg is broken and the transmitter runs out of its reserves, mm -hmm. okay, at that point, then, um, if you want to use the transmitter to convert your LUSD to die, it might take longer. Right now, mm -hmm. it's pretty instantaneous mm -hmm. because the amount of people who are staking in the transmitter is relatively low. It's actually less than the amount of yield that we make daily, so it's very easy for people to use the transmitter if they want to and for their position to fill up. But in the case where we you know, didn't have our pig broke and the transmitter was drained, then it would basically take however long it takes for the yield to drip mm -hmm. into the transmitter for that LUSD to die conversion to take place. So um, when we're on peg, it's like as if we're a stable coin. And if we break the peg, then um, it's more like LUSD becomes a bond. I understand. But so, you always have the guarantee that it will be redeemable for die one-to-one. It might take a longer time, but right mm -hmm. now it's yep. instantaneous that you can just take it one-for-one. Yep. I understand. Exactly. So, okay, so theoretically, it's not really... it should be impossible to lose money using mm. alchemics. You might lose a little time value in, in yep. the worst case scenario, um, but you shouldn't lose uh, even one penny. I understand. So how is it like a bond? How is it like one of these ESD or DSD systems? Well, with ESD and DSD, you realize that when prices are below $1, what do they do? ESD and DSD, empty set dollar and dynamic set dollar, they will take your, your tokens, They'll keep it but onto different kind of epochs. And then once the va this value increased, the value goes to you because you get to keep your tokens. That's a general idea. And the general idea is good. Now, the problem is when I say that when the additional tokens created. In the ESD system, which is like the bond system, when additional tokens are created, they're created from thin air. They're not created, they're not backed by any value. So when it's created from thin air, it's probably worth nothing. And when it's worth nothing, it's given to the user and the user now has a lot more of nothing. So, and then when it's nothing, they will dump it and it worsens the situation. There are also a lot of will activities that can do that. The new token inflation, the supply inflation, is not backed by anything. Whereas in this system, it's quite different. In this system, the new supply added into the space is backed by the yields generated through reinvestment of your collaterals. 
So that's that's quite of a difference, and I think that's a good way forward. How it's like a bond system is really like how government bonds work. With government bonds, you basically give money to the government, and the government will take your money. They promise you X percentage to return to you, and they will use the money to go and build roads, build housing, improve the economy, and then the economy grows. In this situation, it's a smaller scale where you give money to Alchemix. Alchemix forwards you the repayment, saying that this is what you can use right now. And I'll use the collaterals that you give me to go and generate some yield and it'll be added back into the system after. So it's kind of like a bond system in a different kind of situation or a different kind of context, a much smaller context. And this is a bit more robust than the whole ESD and DSD system, which is basically one of my opinions and thoughts about it. So firstly, it's a very novel idea. It is all about yield generation, real yield. Yield through value being generated. So when we talk about capital efficiency, this mechanism, these collaterals, these capital that you're giving to the system is helping you to earn something. It's being allocated to add value or to create value in the system. And the way to create value could be via yearn, which is through lending on various kind of platforms or generating yield in very different ways. And that's why DeFi is like this little Lego brick, right? You have different kind of protocols doing different things. You mesh them up together and create new kind of products and services offered to retail people. So that's the general idea. It generates yield and use this yield to substantiate any new supply inflation in the system. It is also an upgrade of the ESD bond mechanism that I've talked about, similar to the bond mechanism of ESD where it adds in new kind of assets into new inflation into the system but instead of supply inflation it's adding value inflation or price inflation into the system through the yields generated however however there is a limitation and this is the limitation that is the common argument that you can keep saying in the collateral backed stablecoins it could be on chain off chain doesn't matter as long as it's backed by collaterals this will always be a limitation because this was the limitation when we moved away from the gold standard. Remember the Bretton Woods gold standard? Long time ago, when the US economy started, when a lot of central banks started, they backed their currency with gold. When the financial market just first started, that's like, hey, that's a good idea. I like that. Let's continue doing that because gold is safe, people use gold, and there's a value that people give to gold, which is quite high. So with that, you can continuously print money and allow the system to grow. So that's all very good. But you realize that the economy is so much more than gold. The economy can scale so much faster, so much quicker, and in such a big volume that there will not be enough gold in the world to back the economic value that we are creating in our economy. And that is the biggest limitation to collateral-backed stablecoins. I really think that the future is not about 100% or 200%, especially in this system, it's 200% backed which is a huge amount of money, a huge amount of capital inefficiency. Yes, the capital is earning money for you because you're using the, cap the collaterals to be earning money for you, but 200% over collateralization, that's very expensive in terms of opportunity cost. So the over collateralization is quite an issue with capital inefficiency because number one, it's gonna be hard to scale and number two, it's, it's actually very costly when you basically have so many opportunities in the bull market today. The 100 die that you're giving to the system could be earning like 10x putting that amount of money in other protocols. So that's a small amount of like some limitations that I see, but still, this is a great idea. And I think this is a super cool, interesting system. I don't have any stakes in that. I'm just, I just think it's interesting and wanted to share with you guys. So if you're interested in more things like that, remember to check out the book that we have, the Token Economics textbook. 
it's being used in universities now and I'm working on a version to upgrade so that it can be more suitable for MBAs instead of undergrads. We also have a Discord, so follow us on Discord, follow us on Twitter, you can get access to more information. We are also on Substack, we are also on Patreon, we're on LinkedIn, we're on a lot of different social media platforms. So if you're interested in other social media platforms, just Google economics design or just check the links out below. Till then, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.